welcome back to So What Are We Watching? My name is Andrew. My name is John Paul. And this is the last episode the of... The finale. Yeah. Thanks for interrupting me, John. <laughs> uh, <laughs> this is the last episode at the finale uh, of Series 1 of So What Are We Watching? For this episode, we've decided we're going to do it a little bit differently. So this is going to be a little bit of a montage slash like best bits of some of the films that we kind of recommend and some of the films that we've watched in 2022. There's not many clips that we've put in. We've just chosen a good number of snippets of some of the films that we've thought have been the best films in 2022, um, which, no surprise, a lot of mine are going to be horror. So, but enjoy. Everything, everywhere, all at once, which is an A24 film. A24, uh, probably it's one of beautiful. my... It's It really is beautiful. Uh, A24, um, uh, one of my favourite film companies. They've done films like Ex Machina, they've done uh, Hereditary, Midsummer. they've done quite a lot of horror, and they're very known for it. But Everything, Everywhere, All at Once is kind of different, and... Ironically, for this year, like there's been so many multiverse movies, which we'll get onto in a minute, um, that this film, it feel like it's the more ambitious multiverse film. Um, it's it's got a plenty array of talented actors. Uh, Jamie Lee Curtis is in this. Surprisingly, there's so many different references to it. It's comedic. It's brutal, but overall, it's got a very strong message. I believe. I mean, I think I said it earlier, I think it was beautiful. Uh, You mentioned that, like, you know, kind of what a lot of big films are trying to do, specifically, like, this year, uh, is focus on, like, multiversal gatherings and stuff like that. And I feel like a lot of big franchises are doing that to incorporate all sorts of different cameos from these years of franchises. It's all its own thing. The first kind of half, it's all just kind of like a bit of a comedy. And that comedic element still kind of goes on throughout the film. But then the second half just completely hits you. Uh, it's got a really great message behind it. And I think what works well is it doesn't try too hard, like you said, to shove in those cameos, those appearances. It's its own thing. And explores the multiverse in a little bit more of a complex idea that a single decision is kind of like a it's like it's like the butterfly effect. It's like a single thing you do results in a massive change. But you know, like I said, it's it's a great film. And it's Tickets to Paradise, um, directed by Old Parker, and starring Julia Roberts and George Clooney. I'm pretty sure there already were rom coms out this year. There's been other rom coms, but this. So here's what I like about like this film, full on feels like it has just been, like it was made in the 2000s, left in a locker somewhere, and now it's just been released now. Obviously, it's a lot more high quality than. I mean, you literally just described George Clooney. That's he's just been left in a locker in the early 2000s, just not left out. Cause what what was the last film did? Ocean's Eleven. Maybe last film that George Clooney did before this, Midnight Sky, which he directed. I know he was in Tomorrowland. I think it was. I don't know when Disney were all up and big about that, but I haven't heard anything from George Clooney since. But more specifically, so about this film, oh, it's just so lovely. It's it's not a perfect film, but I came out of it just kind of feeling happy. Like it just like it put a smile on my face. Like it, it's like a really just uplifting 
part of the film. Like you go into it, like maybe half an hour in, you're like, oh, this is going to be a typical rom-com. It's going to be all sad and depressing. Well, maybe not sad and depressing. Like it's just going to be like, not not that much, like a lot of negative vibes coming from it. And I mean, that's generally how most rom-coms are. They're kind of like, you know, happy, negative, happy. But this film just, yeah, it's all about really just moving on from your heartbreaks of the past and stuff. It's something which, which I think everyone can relate and to. And out someone else's marriage along the way. Um, <laughs> yeah, we're not happy with ours, or we're ruining out someone else's. That's like the main premise of the trailer. Yeah, we, we hate each other. We don't want this person to get married. We're going <laughs> to But basically, um, and one, one really cool thing about this film is that it's got bloopers in the credits. When was the last time I saw a film that did that? I that's that. it. You don't even need to answer that because that's basically the point. Like, they films just don't do that anymore. They don't. Like, so it was so refreshing to find to actually see that again after like all these years. Um, do I just see the film just for the bloopers now? Yeah, buy a ticket, go there two hours later. Credit spots, <laughs> come on. Well, no. Aside from that, the film's great. It's not your typical rom com. Like, it might look like uh, a typical rom com. Now, I feel like you're saying that for like for the sake of it. It's not your typical. And then when I walk No, but if I didn't like this, I wouldn't recommend it to anyone. I absolutely recommend this. Um, the only real complaint is there is quite a lot of exposition in it. So there's some scenes, which are still really nice scenes, but they're not too visually great. It's just a lot of characters sitting down and talking. But there's so much great character moments. And me personally, I love films for character. Um... And the characters, they're just going kind of bang on in this film. Just absolutely outstanding. Yeah, fair play then. I mean, it's another 7 out of 10. Really? But film has to be absolutely brilliant for me to give it, like, 10 out of 10. I might have to give it a watch, because there isn't really much out that I want to watch in cinemas. Like, I don't want to watch Black Adam. Staying away from that. Well, I've told you my Warner Brothers yeah. protesting. Um... And currently near my local cinema, like there is nothing good on. So there's a few re-releases, but I might have to give it a shot. I mean, it's like Avatar. Yeah, there is Avatar. I watched Avatar in the cinema the other day for the first time. I mean, I wait. You watched Avatar for the first time? Yeah. Hmm. I had it straight on DVD as soon as it came out. Like I know that. Like I think I was in the room when my parents were watching it like years ago. But I never paid attention to it. I was just more busy, like, doing my own thing on my DS movie. Um, and then when I found out they were bringing out a sequel, I was like, well, they're probably going to re-release it. Most they likely. have. So I was like, I'll just wait for them to put it on the big screen again. Yeah, I mean, I might go watch it again soon. Like, I have watched. There has been another re-release uh, that I actually have watched, which I was going to mention before, but I mentioned Boys, Boys, Boys real quick, which is Surprise, another horror film. Um, Back to basics. <laughs> Poltergeist. Part um, 40th anniversary edition, so it's in 4K. And also, I watched that in 4, 4K. Not 4K, 4, 4, uh, yeah, well, 4K and 4DX. So, but I, I can talk about it another time because we're kind of diverting from rom coms. So. Um, but yeah, I might have to give it a watch. I think the last rom, rom com I watched was of classes rom com, was a. Uh, the Last Letter to Your Lover, which had Felicity Jones in it. Yeah. Okay, yeah. That was a pretty solid British rom-com. 
I don't know if I want to call it rom com, but it wasn't even comedic. It was just sad. <laughs> um, but it, it was quite good, actually. So. Black Phone, which I've been wanting to see for a while since it was announced. This is a Scott Derrickson film. He did films like Dot Strange, uh, Sinister, The Exorcism of Emily Rose, Deliveries from Evil. You get the point. The Black Phone is a horror which stars Ethan Hawke, James Ranson, and it's kind of like the anti-Sinister. I don't know if you've ever watched Sinister. Uh, I have not. The only Scott Derrickson film I've seen is the original Doctor Strange. Now, didn't he was only also supposed to like uh, direct Multiverse Madness too. Yeah, he when the film was first announced, they said, "Oh, Scott Derrickson's coming back," and then he kind of dropped out for creative differences, and then the rest is history. <laughs> and is that when Sam Raimi took over, basically? Yeah, I remember it was rumored quite a bit that Sam Raimi was going to be taken over, and then of course he did. The Black Phone is kind of like your general. Well, maybe not your general, but it's it's like the main basis is like child abduction, like child kidnapping, with that kind of slight supernatural twist that kind of reminds me a little bit of like It and Sinister. Is it kind of like uh, the Room? Yeah, the Room, not not the Tommy Wiseau one, the 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 Brie Larson one. You know, because it was like the Tommy Wiseau one, then obviously it wouldn't be a horror; it'd be a comedy. Yeah, that was a uh, Lenny Abrahamson. When I say anti-sinister, so the main premise of Sinister is basically a bunch of kids have gone missing after a bunch of murders, and the main suspect is this guy called Bagul or Mister Boogie, as the kids call him. And Ethan Hart's character is basically like uh, a writer, like a crime writer. He's trying to, you know, figure out this case so he can sell more books. However, in The Black Phone, he's the antagonist in this, and the kids that are missing, or, you know, ghosts or dead or whatever, are actually the good ones. And it centers more around, like, this child that's just been abducted called Finn, or Finley. And he's trying to escape, and all these kid spirits are basically talking to him, like, you know, how to escape, like, what certain things to do, blah, blah. And... You know, it's it's generally creepy. It's nothing special. It's I don't think I'm gonna say it's like too original because you know it's very heavily influenced by Sinister and I mean it's Scott, so it makes sense to me. But there are a few moments where you're just like, oh okay, that was a nice little twist. That was a nice little reveal. You know, it's not something you need to think too hard about. Ethan Hawke is great in this. He has a great range in his characters. His mask is terrifying and i love it because it's interchangeable so you can change the top part's bottom half into like a a sad face a frowny face just a blank face that's pretty creepy it is pretty creepy i've, I've never seen a mask on screen do something like that it's it's pretty it, it adds a lot more to his character adds a lot more depth i believe now i wanted to go see this film and i did actually book tickets for it but i had no way of getting to my cinema because uh if you live in the uk you'll be aware there's been train strikes over the last week unfortunately i have not seen this film it's definitely something i'm gonna check out as soon as i can though something i want to ask is it says here that the tagline for the film is never talk to strangers is that kind of the regard in which you say obviously the kid is someone that gets abducted in the film, what the main premise is, like, I mean, I think this is, like, set during, like, the 70s, I believe, maybe near to 80s, and this guy is kind of dubbed the grabber, as in, like, you know, he grabs kids off the streets, 
and the abduction and they go missing presumably dead because none of the police have found him and i feel feel like i think in the film five people have already gone missing uh the main character finn ends up talking to ethan hawk's character and then gets abducted although it looks like the grabber is more like he targets certain people um and i feel like that's where the supernatural elements come in but i'm not gonna spoil anything about that because um it links heavily into you know some some of some of the reveals later on, but it definitely the tagline is you know accurate is like you know don't talk to strangers or you know just don't don't talk to anybody who's got black balloons and a black van and has white makeup all over the face, especially in the seventies. Like uh, you know, don't don't do that. It genuinely looks pretty creepy. I mean this this is a this is a Bloomhouse Productions by the way and I love like a lot of films that Bloomhouse have done. Uh like m- majority of the time they do make some like pretty decent horror films. They've got quite a decent like portfolio there. Get Out, Whiplash, Split, Insidious, the new Halloween franchise. Yep. Happy Death Day, Freaky, uh The Purge. Well, speaking of ways to bring back franchises, well a film um Recently, I did watch Hocus Pocus 2, oh. and Hocus Pocus was my childhood, especially around Halloween. I used to watch the Sanderson sisters dance and sing on stage, and I love that film, and they decided to bring back the original actresses for the Sanderson sisters, and also an original cast that they had. And a lot, it was a, it was sort of the same, a lot of people didn't like the way it went, but I completely loved it. They still had the same chemistry, they still acted the same, they still acted like they had literally gone off the set of Hocus Pocus and then straight into Hocus Pocus 2, despite it being, I don't even know how long it's been, about 25, 24 years, Why do you think a lot of people don't like it? I think it's just like what we were talking about with Halloween Ends, is trying to bring back character. I mean, like, Halloween was a bit different because there has been, like, multiple films over, like, the years. Um, But I think it is just trying to bring a satisfying conclusion to these characters that have just been brought back. Um, like with Hocus Pocus, everybody thought that was the end. And it was a fitting end for the Sanderson sisters. And then they were just supposed to come back. People were confused whether it was a prequel, whether it was like just before they came back or something. I'm not too sure about their like after they had died. Um, but they did, they did decide to resurrect them again. Um, so a lot of people didn't like the way that I don't, I don't know. I think it's, I think there's also a bit of disappointment in the sense of. Some of the other, like some of the other original cast didn't come back. Yeah, but I loved it. I found it so satisfying to watch. It was amazing. It was perfect, and it sort of humanised the witches a little bit more. Um, like the idea of sisterhood and the relationships that we have with one another. I love those stories, and I loved Hocus Pocus too. And despite what people say about the original number, not it's not really an original number, but the number that they had, which was. Um, I can't remember what the song is right now. That is on me. But they just blew it away. It was a it was a Halloween film that I completely adore and I completely love. See, I've seen Hocus Pocus, but I haven't seen Hocus Pocus 2 yet. And probably because I, just, I don't have Disney Plus, so uh, sadly. But for someone like me, would you recommend... like Because I am a fan, a fan of the original Hocus Pocus, but like, would you recommend watching it? Um... I think, I mean, I guess in terms of your Halloween films, it is a bit different because obviously it's not a slasher, but if you are a fan of the original film, I would say give it a shot, but if you don't want it 
lessened type of thing. Like yeah. your, the impact that it had for you, then I probably wouldn't recommend watching it. It's just I love Hocus Pocus, and it did, and I and I did enjoy the film. But just with how many people have been disappointed, I wouldn't recommend watching it if if you're not as excited about this next instalment that they've released. Yeah, they've also they've also possibly set up a future for another Hocus Pocus film, just without the Sanderson sisters. Now I feel like a lot of people are probably angry about that, and and yeah. a Hocus Pocus film without the Sanderson sisters is kind of like Halloween without Michael. Yeah, because I mean I'm not going to spoil it too much for you, but there was this, um, there was a little bit of a prequel for the Sanderson sisters, and there was something linked to a bird, and it kept appearing throughout, but not with a really a, an explanation. Okay. And then at the end, it sort of just flew off over these new girls who. Are hint one of them's hinted at being a witch, so they are probably setting up like a coven film, maybe. But I mean, it's only speculation at the moment because Disney haven't confirmed any of this. It is just speculation and what people think could happen. And there was also a post-credit scene of another black candle being made, which obviously, if you know Hocus Pocus, the black candle is what brings the Sanderson sisters back to life. Wow. Well, yeah. definitely something to look forward to for the people that actually enjoyed. Hocus Pocus 2. For me, uh, I'll probably have to keep an eye out, definitely. But, yeah. What would you rate this film? I would probably say a 7.5 out of 10. Okay. Like, it wasn't it wasn't a film that needed to be made, but I'm happy it was made. Um, I just love seeing characters come back, except for Emperor, Emperor Palpatine. But I guess we can talk about that when we talk about our favourite films and franchises. But Bette Midler and um, Bette Midler just coming back just has this presence about her and it was perfectly executed. There was like a sort of thing about obviously the original Hocus Pocus film was made in the 90s and there was a thing of them adjusting to the advancements in our time. And then they they went further with it in Hocus Pocus 2 because since then there has been a lot of advances in terms of things you see in shops or things like phones and everything else and it was perfect uh well in the protest of the christmas spirit because you know um i'm not too much of a christmas person anyway i decided yeah horror film um oh, in classic andrew spirit on disney plus actually so you know i mean at least it's, it's i mean it's not child friendly at all i'm no, not gonna say that um on a child friendly platform to some extent though yeah on a child friendly platform maybe don't show it to your kids but I watched the new Barbarian, which was actually... It wasn't long ago that it was in cinemas. It was like about a month ago that it was in cinemas. Um, it stars Bill Skarsgård, Justin Long, and Georgina Campbell in what's I think is like an hour, two hour long film that is a little bit slow at first, but then it has the right amount of, of intensity. I think a lot of people didn't really know what they were going to expect from watching this film, and neither did I actually, but... Um, I I enjoyed it. It was quite a, you know, suspenseful like kind of gritty horror that's not perfect to watch around Christmas time. Yeah, yeah, you know, perfect to watch around the dark. Um, <laughs> too, you know, it, it's cold and all that. So I'll just watch uh, a horror film. Um, so but obviously I can't really spoil too much about this, but you know, and I think it's probably works on a smaller budget too, actually. But this is like. 
Is it a relatively new film then? Yeah, it is relatively new. This is this came out this year actually, and I wanted to go see it as well as a bunch of other films, but I didn't get the chance. But then Disney Plus was like, "Oh, it's on Disney Plus now. You can watch him." So I thought, "Why not?" Uh, the cinematography that for this is absolutely beautiful. Actually, it's very very well done. Uh, some of the scares too, and all that, and just you know, it's a bloody bit emotional to be fair too. Actually, as a horror, like you kind of feel like sympathy and like empathy and all that. No, there isn't really too much I can say about this film without spoiling it. So, I mean, I only watched it, like, last night because I thought, you know, the opportunity arise, why not? It was that, or... I mean, I only watched Scrooge this morning, just before you arrived, really. Yeah, it's just like, oh, quick, what I want to watch for this episode. <laughs> no, I just thought, well, what what's the most appropriate thing to watch now it's the Christmas holidays? Ah, yeah, it's a horror film. Um, I mean, to be fair, it was that, or I was going to mention uh, Army of the Dead, so... Yeah, I'd probably take Barbarian over Army of the Dead. Yeah, not, I, yeah. I don't want another episode mentioning <laughs> Zack Snyder. I mean, that ship's uh, gone and sailed now anyway. But, but um, yeah, Barbarian. I uh, I wouldn't say 7 out of 10, something like that. It wasn't perfect, but it was a good like horror. So Good, good to get me in the spirit of Christmas. Surprise, it's Jay Pollitt here in an exclusive message for the end. And I am just here because I we never got the chance to discuss one of my favourite films of this year on the podcast because it came out before we started. And my favourite film of this year, it's uh, The Worst Person in the World by Joaquin Trier. It's a Norwegian film, so if you want to watch it, it's got subtitles, but it's just so beautiful, it captures... The essence of being in your late 20s going into early 30s and kind of dealing with that crisis of you've got to be so young but you've also got to be like you've got to grow up at the same time uh it's a 14 part story which just uh, it's it's astonishing that's a perfect word for it worst person in the world is not the worst film in the world it's up there with the best so yeah, if you can get your hands on this, I don't know where it's available, because uh, I watched it in the cinema. But make sure you do watch it. And, yeah, it's brilliant. Like, you don't want to miss out. So, yeah, I am looking forward to seeing what Andrew and John bring to So What We're Watching in Series 2. Which will be in the new year, obviously, because today is the last day of 2022 um yeah so i am excited to see what they bring to the table make sure you still stick around i know you're probably missing me probably not but still uh you never know i might make a little appearance because i never properly left the podcast i just left as co-host i'm still involved with it and everything and yeah so i will now pass over to andrew to close out the year the episode the season whatever and I hope to see you all soon. Here's Andrew. So that basically concludes this episode, the final episode of So What Are We Watching? Series 1. I want to say thank you to everybody who's been a part of this journey, who's been listening to this. I want to thank John and Jordan for being a part of this. And... I hope everybody continues this journey with us for Series 2 when it releases, so keep your eyes open for that. But for one last time, this is So What Are We Watching, and we'll see you next time. So, bye. bye.